0: You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Genesis chapter 34, verses 1 through 5, the rape of Dinah. This chapter records an unfortunate incident in the life of the family of Jacob, or Israel. The one daughter who is mentioned by name, Dinah, is the daughter of Leah. Leah also bore Jacob six sons. They had returned to Canaan and were now living in a place called Shechem. Although we're not told the reason, we're told Dinah went out to visit the women of the land. It could have been because she was the only daughter of thirteen children. She wanted to see how they lived. She couldn't know it would lead to such a horrific act. Some blame Dinah for making friends with the Canaanites, because by doing that she put herself in harm's way. But because we aren't told any more than that she went to visit them, It's best to avoid blaming the victim. The place was named after Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, so he was a prominent and powerful person. We're told he was the ruler of that area. He saw Dinah, took her, and raped her. Every reference to it in this chapter implies it was forcible rape, regardless of his feelings for her afterwards. We're told his heart was drawn to her. He loved her and spoke tenderly to her. We're not told how she felt. His intention after the fact was to marry her. He said to his father, Get me this girl as my wife. Parents arranged marriages for their children in this culture. Jacob heard what had happened to Dinah, that she had been defiled. But because his sons were out in the field at the time, he waited until they came back home before he decided to act, although he didn't act even afterwards. Verses 6 through 12, the fathers discuss, the brothers react. Shechem's father, Hamor, either totally unaware of the scandalous behavior of his son, or seeing nothing wrong with it, or not caring about the scruples of the family of Israel, went to talk to Dinah's father to hopefully arrange a marriage between their children. Their brothers hear about it while they are still out working and come in right away. They are shocked and furious, calling it an outrageous thing that should not be done to sleep with someone without being married. They are already thinking about their father's new name and not just as their household, but as the new nation, saying such an outrageous thing should not have been done in Israel. Hamor, who was speaking with Jacob only, now continues once the sons came in. He painted a picture of interrogation integration between their families, harmony and prosperity. He said, My son Shechem has his heart set on your daughter. Please give her to him as his wife. Intermarry with us. Give us your daughters and take our daughters for yourselves. You can settle among us. The land is open to you. Live in it, trade in it, and acquire property in it. Even Shechem himself was involved in the talks, saying to Dinah's father and brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes, and I will give you whatever you ask. Make the price for the bride and the gift I am to bring as great as you like, and I'll pay whatever you ask me. Only give me the young woman as my wife. He was willing to throw his money around if only he could get them to agree. There are many people who think that they can get anything they want because they have wealth and power. Verses 13-17, through Jacob's son's scheme. Jacob should have acted decisively and answered them already and forbade the marriage. His inaction made the sons take matters into their own hands. Like their father, Jacob, whose name meant deceiver, the sons approached Shechem and his father Hamor without their father present. Pretending to be contemplating the offer of marriage, they misused the sign of circumcision that set them apart and said, We can't do such a thing. We can't give our sister to a man who is not circumcised. That would be a disgrace to us. We will enter into an agreement with you on one condition only, that you become like us by circumcising all your males. Then we will give you our daughter and take your daughters for ourselves. We'll settle among you and become one people with you. But if you will not agree to be circumcised, we'll take our sister and go. It was an offer they couldn't refuse. It was all or nothing. But to use the pretext of religion to do such wickedness is to be an enemy of the truth. Matthew Henry says, The crimes of others are not an excuse for us. Verses 18-24, through agreement with the plan. The proposal seems like a good idea, so Shechem, who is described as the most honored of all his family, starts to make it happen right away. "'because he was anxious to marry Dinah. "'If he's the best of the bunch, that doesn't say much for the rest. "'Hamor and Shechem go to the gate of the city "'where business was conducted in ancient times. "'They speak to the men of their city, appealing to their self-interest. "'They present the proposal in a favourable light, "'describing the men as friendly. "'Let them live in our land and trade in it. "'The land has plenty of room for them. "'We can marry their daughters and they can marry ours.' But the men will agree to live with us as one people, only on the condition that our males be circumcised, as they themselves are. Won't their livestock, their property, and all their other animals become ours? So let us agree to their terms, and they will settle among us. Because of their great respect for Hamor and Shechem, and because they hope to benefit by it, the men are convinced, and every male in the city is circumcised. Verses 25-29 to Overkill Then we have the end game of the brothers' deceitful proposal. Three days later, while all the men were still in pain because of the procedure, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, two of Leah's other children, and Dinah's brothers, instigated a massacre of all the males in the unsuspecting city. They killed not only the perpetrator Shechem, but his father and every male in the city. They rescued Dinah from Shechem's house, although were not told why she was already there. Although those two brothers, Simeon and Levi, were responsible for initiating the attack, the other brothers joined in the looting of the city, thereby approving of the murder and barbarity, as if it was a justifiable response to the attack on their sister. Later on, the Mosaic Law would call for the death penalty for rape, but only for the perpetrator, not innocent citizens. The woman is a victim. Deuteronomy 22, 25-27 says, But if out in the country a man happens to meet a young woman pledged to be married and rapes her, only the man who has done this shall die. Do nothing to the woman. She has committed no sin deserving death. The case is like that of someone who attacks and murders a neighbor. For the man found the young woman out in the country and though the betrothed woman screamed, there was no one to rescue her. So the brothers not only brutally murdered people who had nothing at all to do with the incident, but they looted the dead bodies, seized their flocks and herds and donkeys and everything else that belonged to them in both the city and fields. They carried off all their wealth from in their homes, as well as their women and children. I can't imagine that those women would think very highly of them, The only true victims in this chapter are Dinah and everyone else in Shechem who are either uh, slaughtered or enslaved. But how does any of this vindicate Dinah or honor God? Verses 30 to 31, Jacob's response. Jacob hears about it and confronts Simeon and Levi, but he sees it in relation to himself his loss of reputation, and his fears of retaliation. You have brought trouble on me by making me obnoxious to the Canaanites and Parasites, the people living in this land. We are few in number, and if they join forces against me and attack me, I and my household will be destroyed. See the use of personal pronouns. It was all about him. He was a fearful person. He had feared attack by Laban, attack by Esau, and now attacked by the local inhabitants. Genesis 13.7 told us the Canaanites and Perizzites were then living in the land when Abraham first arrived. So they defend their behavior by pointing back to Shechem's crime. Should he have treated our sister like a prostitute? Surely the solution lies somewhere between taking revenge like the brothers and remaining passive like the father. Justice needed to be done but this was a clear case of overkill. While men often use women as objects to be taken and used, girls should be taught to avoid being naive, while boys should be taught to respect and protect women. Movies and books with revenge themes abound, The Count of Monte Cristo being a prime example of a story that twists the wickedness of revenge into a virtue. Although Jacob would not punish his sons now, he doesn't forget it but reminds everyone of it on his deathbed and curses them because of their cruelty. Jacob had vowed he would return to Bethel in Genesis 28, but he stayed in Shechem and bought land instead. But this episode propels them back to Bethel and the true worship of God. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or an application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? Dinah's brothers took revenge for her rape, but it was disproportional to the crime. We are not to seek revenge, but to leave it to God, who will avenge his people. In this case, one sin led to another. Anger turned to revenge, revenge to deceit, deceit to murder, murder to plunder. Why is this chapter included in Scripture? To show how easily we drift towards sin to show that this family has not been chosen for their moral superiority, but solely because of the grace of God. Look at the examples of men in this chapter. Shechem's lust led to rape. He and his father used greed to appeal to the men of the city. Dinah's brothers took revenge, murdering or enslaving the whole city, while Jacob was passive and inactive, then became depressed at how the whole incident made him appear. Dinah was a victim of all of them. After she was raped, she would be seen as spoiled goods, like David's daughter Tamar. By contrast, Christian men are to love their wives and protect and nourish them. This chapter warns of spiritual compromise, linking believers with unbelievers. We are not to mix with unbelievers in this way. The brothers went too far in their zeal for justice. Later... In Deuteronomy 22.6, there will be a law that the rapist is to be executed, but the woman is innocent. How sad that in some cultures the woman is killed, as if she was the guilty party. Or in some cases, even a hint of suspicion about her actions are meant with so-called honor killings. However, we should seek justice for victims of violence. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Genesis chapter 35. May God bless the study of his word. And I'll be away for one week. Uh, We're going down to the uh, Ark Encounter in Kentucky to see the life-size Noah's Ark. So um, there will be no podcasts next week.